0: Hey everybody Sino here and welcome to Dopamine the show that is like your local barista getting your name wrong on purpose just to mess with you. Today on the show I've got a friend of mine talking about animal spirituality and connection. I don't have the name for the show specifically figured out yet, but we're joined by a friend named Victoria Stigliano Zuman and um She is someone that works with, she's an animal spirituality facilitator. That is a self-proclaimed title. Um, I don't want to say proclaimed. It makes it sound like she's not like legit, but that is a title that she's worked on because it's a connection or combination of a couple of different ideas she works within uh touch uh, human touch for humans and animals uh reiki healing law of attraction um done all sorts of things that i'm just kind of reading off a list here but we we talk all about animal communication how that leads to human connection and really looking at animals as a living breathing sentient emotional being as opposed to uh, something that you can project your codependent needs onto right so we talk a lot about that codependent needs when it comes to animals which is I think is a really great um, aspect of this conversation that if you're listening to it you'll you'll get something really good out of it and we talk about ADHD as well something that she's dealt with an OCD and um, kind of all relates to my story and it comes full circle um, when we talk more about what's going on with um, people's needs for animals and their need for us. So uh, it's a really good conversation and I hope you stick around for it. So, um, and uh, the election was last night. So I, th- I think regardless of your political perspective, I think it's pretty rad that there are some new people, some new types of people in government, and I think it's going to be good for everybody. So I just wanted to give a congratulations and shout out to those types of people, uh, you know, to, to Muslim women in office and then to, um, uh, two of the youngest women ever to be in office as well, uh, were elected last night and, um, you know, openly gay, uh, governor in Colorado and such. Uh, are just some, some amazing things, um, that can happen amidst a world where a lot of people feel a sense of hopelessness and, um, You know those little celebrations are good for us. So it was just a little bit of side note, but I wanted to say it before I forget it. So, um, without further ado, let's just move on to the show where we talk to Victoria Stegliano Zuban about her work as an animal spirituality facilitator. That's a lot of words here on dopamine. Let's go. Drums please. (laughs) All right, everyone, welcome to the show. Today, I have a guest with me, a friend of mine from one of the many Facebook friends that I've accumulated over the past year, uh, Victoria Stigliano Zuban. Welcome to the show.
1: Thank you. So glad to be here. Thanks for having me.
0: And I said the name right, right? I did Yes, okay? you did. Yes, awesome. you did. I was so nervous about that. <laughs> uh, so yeah, tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, and, and what you do.
1: Um, well, um, I am an animal spirituality facilitator, which is a term I made up because nothing else fit. Um, I basically am a relationship coach for animals and their humans. And I also do energy um, medicine. So, I help um, the wellness of the animal in conjunction with traditional veterinary medicine, and I've Mm -hmm. also helped animals transition um, from this life to the next, and uh, it's incredibly rewarding, and I've just recently decided that I really wanted to kind of give my service away to rescues and sanctuaries um, and uh, to help the animals that have been forgotten or neglected or, you know, maybe treated not so nice <laughs> during their life. Um, so yeah, that's what, that's what I do. And I'm, it changes every time, every, you know, it's been changing quite a bit, but it's now getting to the point where like now I really, really know what I want to do and what I need to do. And that's basically make the planet a better place for the animals
0: that's fantastic. in any way I can yeah I, I think that's fantastic because of the especially the human animal connection so many people have pets they love pets they love living with them they love going to see them and visit them um so that there's there's just like an underlying connection i'm not I'm not a uh, spiritual or religious person, but there is part of like I, I get the sort of connection that a lot of people have with animals and it's it's completely um beneficial to so many people, not only with their own mental health journey, but like important to, to do what you're doing. And, and that transition uh, at end of life for animals, I, I've, I've never really heard of someone being there specifically other than like for a vet, right? For like a vet. Mm-hmm. Specifically. So like, how, how does how does that transpire? Is it, is it, is it more of like a calming down of the animal? Like how does, how does that work?
1: Yeah. It's basically um, holding space. Just having holding space, I do it distance, so I'm there energetically with the animal as they're transitioning um, I've been able to and I do some of my you know my energy treatments also that just calms them down just to, to help remove the stress and um I had an exam i had a, a i guess example um, my cat passed away last year and mm-hmm. he because I'm also an animal communicator and I have friends that help me um, with that as well. Wow. Um, he wanted to die on his own. He wanted to die in dignity. He did not want to go to the vet. So I honored that, but mm-hmm. he got scared at the end and he was, it was very painful. So what I was able to do is I was able to relieve the pain by using something that I learned from my human touch for humans um, training it's called a pain drain. And every time I did that, he just took a breath. Like it was like, <sighs> and he was able to kind of get through that. So it's more or less just holding space so they can do what they need to do to transition in the most peaceful way possible.
0: Yeah, that's, that's uh, amazing work. So what, what was the what would you say was kind of like the, the, the impetus for all of this? Like, obviously a lot of people have a love for animals quite naturally growing, going through life, but what specifically has led you into this territory to, as you said, you were, you were doing um, human touch for humans work. How did that start to translation translate into uh, work with animals and maybe a little bit of what was happening before? Like what, what was that all about?
1: Yeah, well, I first started my whole journey, I was making I was making healing jewelry. I was like, how simple is that? You know, just making, using natural healing gems, and I was just making healing gems, or healing jewelry, and going to different craft fairs and stuff like that. And mm-hmm. I kept getting drawn to do more. Um, so Reiki kept popping into my head and all that stuff. And because I am an introvert, and mm-hmm. I don't people very well, I decided to... Go. I've had sick cats over several years, so Mm -hmm. I found healing touch for animals, and that was my comfort zone. So that's what I started with after the jewelry. I went into learning how to do healing touch for animals, and I was going to get certified because I wanted to teach it, and in order to do that, I had to take human touch for humans, Mm -hmm. level one. Um, That kind of turned into, I went up to level three. And I decided not to do (laughs) the certification. Um, So I had this level four healing touch for animals. And I went up to level three healing touch for humans. Um, And I also became a Reiki master teacher. So it kind of everything shifted um, during that whole time. So I didn't get certified. But that's how I got into the human touch for humans, uh, healing Mm. touch for humans. And I just kind of merged them. I was told um, by my guides that I needed to merge, do what i felt was necessary in my healing work so i just started blending everything and i've had great great success especially with the transitioning because i use the pain drain is a human treatment um that i've been using on my animals and it's it's been amazing the results i've gotten from that so um Mm -hmm. yeah so that's kind of how it all kind of came together started out with jewelry then healing touch for animals then healing touch for humans then reiki master teacher and here i am i also got certified as a, a law of attraction coach so that just kind of now it's just a one big thing and i just kind of blend it all together and i'm finding my own way and i'm kind of paving my own path which is kind of exciting
0: that's very exciting. I think I think that is a uh, a beautiful example of you continuing to adjust and learn how your path is starting to come together. Even though you started doing something that you didn't really want to, in regards to like you know being an introvert and nodding, not having to people all the time and stuff like yeah. that. That's that's a challenge that I talk about on this show all the time. I'm a heavy introvert as well, um, so much so that I really don't leave my house most of the time. <laughs> <laughs> do I?
1: Neither do I.
0: <laughs> so you know, part of that is continuing to uh, to, to hone, you know, the, the people that you're talking to, and really, you know, marketing in the right direction and all of that stuff. Like it takes time to do all of that stuff, but you have this beautiful market of this really beautiful intersection of spirituality, even though I said I'm not really a spiritual person, I'm kind of coming into my holisticness a little uh-huh. bit, but it's not it's not in the realm of something definable just yet, which is kind of strange, because like when I was a kid, I grew up, basic, basically I've been atheist, quote unquote, my entire life, or at some points I was like agnostic, and then there's other spirituality elements that I'm like, I know that there's something in terms of my intuition and energy and all that stuff, and I get the connection points between between people and from animals to people and all of that stuff. I don't personally feel a lot of that. Like I don't want to share a space with an animal. That's just not my thing. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but Some people are like that. <laughs> and, I, and I totally understand, but I understand. And I think as I, I'm getting older, I understand personally the, the the usage of spirituality, the usage of religion, the usage of you know pets in people's lives, understanding more of the things that don't work for, for me and how they understand for, how they work for other people. Mm-hmm. All of this is kind of to lead into um, that, that connection piece between human and animal. Do you find yourself working more with, you know, specifically with the animal? Like, what is the, what is the human to animal connection? Are you teaching people to connect better with their animals as well?
1: Yes, I, I am. I, um, I think one of the best ways to make the world a safer, happier place for the animals is to train the humans. Mm-hmm. So I kind of took on, I'm, I'm not a behaviorist by any means. So I'm not like a Cesar Millan, but, um, he, his philosophy is to train the humans and rehabilitate the animals. And basically that's kind of my approach because mm-hmm. I can do as much work as I can with these animals and have a partnership with the animals. But if the human is not on board and not a part of that partnership, then there's a piece missing. Right: Because that animal has to live with that human, so um, getting them to be able to have a better relationship makes the life better for the animal and also makes life better for the human as well, because there is a, 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 a definitely a healing um, connection that animals and humans have. it's been through you know centuries. That you know animals have chosen to be part of human lives and, li- and humans have chosen to be part of animals' lives, and there's just always been this connection between our different souls you know
0: yeah, and I, I think that's important for really any relationship, but especially the the animal to human relationship, because the animal is not aware or they might be aware, but they're not going to be able to speak or, or be able to uh, communicate using. Our language at least the the way of or, or recognizing like any kind of traumas that we 're dealing with or any kind of sadness or emotional connection that we 're dealing with or what we, we want um, I think I think I would give credit to animals if they were to able were to be able to speak human language that they would be able to calm us down a lot of the time. <laughs> they, yeah. do it they do it already through the, their behaviors and, and whatnot. They can certainly be in tune to to human needs um, in so many ways. I've seen so many great examples of that. Um, but the, the human themselves, Um, it it, it seems like it's been incredibly important for you to be able to work with them and develop them and train them as well because we have you know traumas i've got depression i've got adhd Uh i've got all sorts of things going on Uh, everyone's got a little bit of something going on whether that's childhood traumas or whatever that may be causing a certain uh, behavior that they're doing towards their animals that they might not um like see so do you work with people who are dealing with any kind of mental health issues as well or serious traumas
1: um well not specifically um i believe that everybody you know just through life experiences have a certain amount of trauma in their lives and because depression number one is such so prevalent in today's society you get a lot of people that um it's almost like they become, well, not almost like it is, they become very codependent with their animals, with their animal lovers, because the animals make them feel better. So, you know, a moment with their, you know, snuggling their puppy or their cat can take them away from depression that they deal with on a daily basis. So Mm -hmm. there becomes a very very strong codependent um, relationship, which is not beneficial to either party. Um, and also animals pick up our, our emotions. They um, communicate on an energetic level. So when we are depressed, when we're anxious, when we are dealing with traumas, they pick that up. So you may have, say you have a lot of anxiety and you have a dog that misbehaves all the time. Well, it's probably because he's picking up on the anxiety and the chaos that you feel and he doesn't know what to do. Right. So he has no, he's got no direction. He's got, he, you know, things just don't feel comfortable to him. So he may act out trying to get attention or trying to get something or trying to calm himself down. You know, a lot of like shoe chewing and, you know, couch ripping apart or whatever is Mm -hmm. to help ease something that the animal's feeling. They don't know what it is because they don't think like we do. Um, so that's the biggest thing that I've noticed is when somebody is dealing with, even if it's a, uh, a small amount of depression, they tend to become codependent with their animal. And that's the part that I would say I work with the most, mm-hmm. especially with transitioning. Because a lot of people, when their animals transition, they're so connected to that animal that they they're like hopeless. They can't, I, I can't live without my dog. I can't live without my cat. Right. And I get it. I've had many, 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 many cats. I've had nine cats die in the last 11 years. So I understand the trauma of losing an animal that you've connected with. Mm-hmm. Um, but the codependence, it ends up like your life stops. You know, I'm sure you've seen that with with other people when mm. they get so attached to like a, a a boyfriend or a wife or a mother or or a friend that they are just incapable of living a normal life for a while because they don't know what to do with themselves because that person is now gone.
0: Yeah, I've experienced so, that. I've done that myself. <laughs> yeah,
1: so that's that's probably the most um, the, the most issues that I deal with as far as mental health is concerned is the the codependency and what causes them to become codependent with their animal in the first place.
0: I think that's an incredible point that I, I, I'd never really thought about to that detail, at least um, about the codependent nature of the human to animal relationship, because I, I think so many people, which, which also translates to human to human relationships, that codependence is all about me, me, me. Like, how does this make me feel? How does this satiate my bad feelings, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. And um, it's, it's about learning how to not treat the animal as an animal but to treat the animal as a living, breathing, organic, emotional creature. Exactly. Yeah. That's beautiful. (laughs) I love that. (laughs) You know, I, I think that gives me, um, even just with that, that, that short burst of conversation gives me a greater respect and understanding of animals because I think a lot of us, a lot of us take that for granted or we don't think about it that way. Um, and I think it, it gives us a greater appreciation for sort of the 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 nature of everything, really, like the human ecosystem uh, um, the earth and and nature and everything all kind of working together, and really yeah. appreciating your animal as a part of the family and really really treating your animal as a part of the family, not just your your fur baby, but <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> but, but,
1: they're but, they're their own soul being they're they 're just like us, they just have a different form they really you know, they may not, you know, they could be like aliens with us, alien language or whatever, but we don't really know exactly how they communicate, but we do know that there's four ways that they communicate with us. And that means that they're a thinking sentient being right. and they should be treated as such. And mm-hmm. uh, unfortunately, because of societal ways over the centuries and over the, you know, it's animals have been you know, for man, you know, and they become property and we have these house animals. We have these pets, which I, I tend to stay away from the word pet um, mm-hmm. because that denotes property. They're not property. They're just different beings right. that it's not, you know, we. it's not just us wanting to share our lives with them. It's them wanting to share their lives with us. So there's a different there's a different relationship that needs to be cultivated mm-hmm. using that mindset. You know, they're different. They're, they're just different from us, but they're a soul just as well.
0: Yeah. I've heard, I, I hear, I've heard so many stories of um, claiming intense love for their animals and they may feel like it's love, but um, I've heard so many stories of, of that overexclamation of their love for their animal as a pet. And but, but once they open the door, the, the dog is gone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it's like, if, if, if that connection is really there, then they would want to stay with you as well. You know, it, it's about exactly. sounds like it's about cultivating that mutual relationship, which is amazing. And I, I think some yeah. of the ways also, if I can, if you can tell me if I'm correct in this or not, but basically with some of the things you just described, it sounds like the, the human to, uh, to, to animal relationship can be strengthened with understanding some of those even animal neuroses that equate to human neuroses, meaning that um when humans are upset, we you know, we lash out, we'll we would destroy the couch. We would pee on (laughs) 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 You know, we, we do that stuff. We treat people poorly. We yell at people. We do all sorts of things when we don't feel good and animals do the same thing. And they do things when they feel good as well. They cuddle with you. They love you. They take care of you. They'll, you know, they'll not pee on things. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. So, Yeah. um, uh, so if if you don 't mind also there there 's an aspect that you kind of wrote in about um, when we were about to uh, to talk a little bit, but you you personally have dealt with a little bit of ADHD bipolar disorder and uh, oCD uh, uh, situations in your life. Um, do you mind uh, kind of expounding on that talking about that a little bit
1: sure um, well i have been uh, i was it was unfortunate that I was not diagnosed until I was an adult, um, so you know my whole Childhood, I felt like I was broken. You know, I was just, you know, the bad kid that couldn't pay attention and all that stuff. And it didn't happen until my 30s when I just realized I had basically, I was starting to freeze in the middle of my house. I just couldn't do anything. Mm -hmm. Um, I was getting so overwhelmed and. I couldn't, I, I just, like the depression was coming and it was, you know, yeah, okay, life was great. I just met my husband. I got married, blah, 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 blah. But I just felt like this, like a cloud just was over me. I couldn't get anything done. If I yeah. tried to do something, I was just too much. And so I decided to explore that. Mm-hmm. Um, I went to a psychiatrist um, and that's when I got diagnosed with uh, ADHD And that was like eye-opening. I mean, I kind of thought that that was my problem, but, you know, I'd never been taught. I'm a child of the 70s. We didn't talk about stuff like that. You know, you were just a bad kid that was just a brat. You know, and so there was never any talk about ADD or ADHD when I was growing up. Mm -hmm. So I started to research that and started to make adjustments in my life Mm -hmm. with the idea that, okay, well, this is how my brain works. So how do I work with what I got? Yes. And yeah. (laughs) So I started, I started, I started working through like, there's this uh, amazing uh, website at the time. And you know, in the two thousands that it, literally changed my life It's called net, and it just literally helped me take my day and like I couldn't keep my house clean but there's a thing called like you know do like you know birth sessions where you do like 15 minutes of one section of your house and just worry about that mm-hmm. you know so it's like compartmentaling my life helped me get more control and then I was able to deal with the the bipolar now the bipolar is not like I don't get manic in the sense that it's not like a bipolar one where you get manic and you're just like you're on high for and you're super happy and you're getting everything done. And it's more of, I'm getting a lot of stuff done. I'm not necessarily overly happy or overly mad or over. I just like would run myself into the ground. Like it mm-hmm. would, t- I would clean my pantry and I would be in the pantry for 14 hours. Right. You know, my pantry is four feet by five feet. Mm -hmm. so (laughs) 14 hours and I would be in the course by the time I'm done pantry is amazing but I'm on my back for three days right so that's kind of how and so I had to deal with okay I'm not going to start this project or I'm going to get help with this project so I don't overdo it um again working with what I got um and so that was, that was the start of me being able to start to manage my life. And I had been living on my own for like 10 years before I got married. I was a mess. I was a mess. <laughs> it wasn't until I had the stability of having somebody in my home, with my, you know, like my husband, right. that I was able to focus on myself and be able to work with what I got and make my life better for me Mm -hmm. so i can achieve the things that i wanted to achieve and that started everything that started me really being able to start accomplishing my life things in my Mm -hmm. life Mm -hmm. knowing you know you think like if you're you know there's all this hustle 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 well when i stopped hustling (laughs) i actually got more accomplished yep because i was hustling myself into the ground Mm-hmm. And I would never finish a project, and I would never get anything done and it, I felt like a failure, so again, the depression got even worse so <laughs> just, so that that 's kind of how it was. I just had a consciousness mm-hmm. about how I needed to deal with myself. Mm-hmm. My house will never be clean i right. 'm okay with that you know yeah. i 'm okay with that um, so and, and that and that and that 's actually gone into me as i'm building this business it's taking me a very very long time i'm taking the scenic route Mm -hmm. um and i i feel good about it because i'm not overdoing it you know Mm -hmm. i used to go and try to get a job and and because i was trying to live in society and trying to people all the time within six months of me getting a job i was sick right it was just it wasn't good for me so, all of my awareness about doing what what I can um, has basically brought me to where I am now, and it's it's so liberating. <laughs> I can't even tell
0: you. <laughs> Good. I, I've been, you know, it's funny because, like, in a lot of ways, I'm in the same place, or I have been transitioning in the same place. uh yet About a year ago, I went through a divorce, and that was the sort of the result of a life that was just not working for me. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm not able to adjust the life around me to my needs. It was me. It was me being sort of uh, uh socially coerced to fit into a box that I just did not fit into, and. Yeah. Um, I've been making changes over time and only recently really diving into the ADHD side of me. So I've, I've spent most of my life um, with some form of depression. Uh, essentially I have cyclothymia, which is a low grade bipolar disorder. It's cyclical, but uh, not in a predictable cycle. And mm-hmm. uh, lately I've been learning more specifically that I based on things that I've looked at in my past and whatnot that I have inattentive ADHD or more likely combined ADHD. Mm -hmm. And I've been looking at YouTube videos on like how to ADHD, which is a great channel. If you're dealing with ADHD, anyone listening. And, um, You know, all of this has been helping me to make these transitions because I'm also currently in a place where I just, I feel like not necessarily hustle mindset, but I get attached to something and Mm -hmm. I just go, go, go. This podcast is actually an example of that because I started to do this weekly and I did this show every single day. Um, I've done it every single day for the past five months or so. And literally today I recorded an episode saying, hey, we're just doing this on Wednesdays now. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I'm kind of, I'm, I'm taking the opportunity to reclaim my time, reclaim my energy. And your story is exactly the reason why I even do this show to begin with, because it's that hustle, hustle mindset for someone who is an entrepreneur. I think, I think we can't help it for a lot of entrepreneurs to get into that space when we're first trying to do it because we're emulating or we, we feel like we just need to go faster. Yeah. But but at some point there is this transition point of like, okay, I have to consider who I am as a person that I'm an introvert or that I prefer to talk to animals versus people. <laughs> <and I prefer laughs> to, or, or I prefer to do a, a, an audio show instead of video all the time or whatever, and, and making those boundaries and adjustments or that I have to reschedule uh, an appointment five or six times because <laughs> you know, I'm having mental health issues or I need to make adjustments or I've oversold myself in any kind of way. And I think that um, that parallel in our story, I think, is is going to be extra helpful for other people. But it actually gives me some hope as well because I'm, I'm also in the midst of this, especially with the ADHD stuff, and uh-huh. really giving me this sense of like, if I'm opening all of these loops of feeling like I need to do all of these things and I can't close all the loops, then I'm going to feel worthless and I'm going to feel terrible. And, you know, I'm also in charge of the loops that I open that I can close later or that I can't, you know, you know what I mean? Um, (laughs) You know, and, and learning to like, just kind of loosen up a little bit. And um, you know, again, also not worry that my, my place is a little bit of a mess, but I'm also lucky that my partner now is, um, Molly is such an amazing person that she gives me that space. And the way that you explained early on that you give animals their space, uh, you know, my partner has given me space, like, you know, the animal that I am. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You know, but, it, you know, again, those parallels exist between humans and animals. And I think to bring that full circle into the conversation really allows us to see those connection points uh, so that we can treat animals as the sentient beings that they are.
1: Yes.
0: Ooh, okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, they also
1: help with the mental health too, because once you start seeing them as a sentient being, you can look at them and you can it's almost like you're not using them, but you're allowing them to support you. Right. It's like, you know, when you allow people to support you instead of like, you know, a lot of people who deal with depression and bipolar disorder and stuff like that, they close themselves into a box Mm -hmm. and an animal helps you open that box up because if you allow them to support you, you, in a healthy, non-attached way as a person to a person would, then you can lighten your life, which is really important, especially when you're struggling, um, Mm -hmm. to have brief moments of light in your life. And they can provide that because they are basically beings of love. They really, they don't have preconditions. They don't have, you know, it's not like, you know they they like you unconditionally.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It's like you don't have to have blonde hair for them to like you. You know, well, unless you they've been abused by somebody who had dark hair. But <laughs> but that's but that's going into the mental health of the animal. But um, but yeah, they they allow us to open our box a little bit, mm-hmm. and if we can allow them to support us in a healthy way, then we can step out of our darkness mm-hmm. and find elements of joy and happiness that sometimes can be so elusive.
0: Mm-hmm. I, I think I, if, if I can push back on a tiny little bit of that perspective, sure. is that, is that I, I would argue or hope that people can sometimes use the perspective that, that, love from an animal isn't unconditional, meaning that you have to treat them well for them to treat you well. Like they're more likely to treat you well than you would as a human. But I think that that, that perception of unconditional love sort of allows for a lot of people to abuse the animal emotionally.
1: Yes. I would agree with that. Yeah. I, I was mainly speaking um, of their natural state, not their, uh, you know, they're just naturally just curious, open beings. Yeah, um, think- and then of course they, they change because we change, we change them whether it's bad or good or whatever they learn from us.
0: Yeah, um, I, think, so- I think that clarity in the, in the, in the language, I think will be uh, important for people to take away. Um, yes. Yeah. And, and totally, thank you for
1: clarifying.
0: Yeah. Totally brings the point home for, for all of it. So I think that's fantastic. Um, yeah, I, th- I think that's all I got. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, where can people learn more about you and what you do, uh, learn about your services, or even just to to say hi?
1: Well, most of my stuff is on Facebook. I do have a group. So if you have animals in your lives, um, I do have um, a Facebook group called Creative Healing for All Animals. Um, and uh, that's my Facebook group, and then I also have a website creativehealingandwellness.com. Those Ooh. are the, the two best places to find me, and then, of course, basically Facebook in general because that's where I am most of the time. So, my profile is uh, I do a lot of you know <laughs> yep. communicating with people from there, too.
0: Yep, and that's
1: just my name without the hyphen
0: yeah shooting the shit as the kids say yeah <laughs> <laughs> so th- thank you so much for being on the show it's amazing thank you for having hearing. me I, I i love hearing about your story it's given me a lot of hope and uh gives me a greater respect for animals as well which i hope <laughs> it will do that for 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 others i mean even the dog lovers to really uh analyze and look at the specifics of their love for their dog and or their, yeah. their cat or whatever animal they own and um they don't own but you know what i mean Um, (laughs) yeah
1: and i've actually also started doing articles on medium.com so i have one article up there Mm
0: -hmm. already
1: um on uh do animals talk and so yeah so hopefully you'll see me in other places around the internet
0: (laughs) yeah i definitely will be sharing your stuff and doing the best to continue to spread the message so thank you thank you very much Yeah. So we'll, we'll catch you guys next time. Please be sure to leave a rating review, all that good stuff. Uh, Go to dopamine.life. If you want to support the show, you can leave a monetary donation, all of that good stuff. And um, catch you guys next week. See ya. (laughs) Bye.